Welcome to the Quasi Prince Foundation podcast, where we're on a mission to spread childhood cancer awareness, inspire, and shine a light on how pediatric cancer affects our families and communities. I am your host and executive director of the Quasi Prince Foundation, Sonia Prince. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Quasi Prince Foundation podcast. This is episode 12 and we have a look, I have something special for you all. This episode, I am interviewing James Buckley, Quasi's dad. I have wanted to interview people. It has just taken some time and I figure who else would be the perfect person to have the first interview besides Quasi's dad. So in this interview, we talk about their relationship. We talk about our relationship and we talk about life after Quasi. And I think it's important to share this um, because oftentimes men don't always share. I noticed a lot of women, you know, we seem to talk more and share our feelings more and just be a little bit more open. But, you know, with children who are diagnosed with cancer, there's probably a dad out there who's feeling some feelings. <laughs> and I wanted to put this out here in the event that it could help someone. It could help someone deal or it could help someone heal. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I thank you again for tuning in. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so this is going to be a very interesting interview um, for one because it's my first and we haven't reviewed any of these questions or what we'll talk about. So um, I'm not sure where this going to is going to lead exactly, but I think it's going to be a good interview. And it's something different because we will get a male's perspective on this journey um, and the journey with childhood cancer when your child is diagnosed because so far we've just had my perspective on this show. So it's going to be interesting to hear something a little bit different. Uh, so I think where I want to start is talking a little bit about the relationship with Quasi before he was diagnosed. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about you all's relationship before diagnosis? Yes. We had a typical father and son relationship, enjoy television, games, did homework together. I worked on developing him as a male. So Quasi was only seven when he was diagnosed. For me as his mom, and I think because he was so young, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for me to even kind of remember our relationship before that. Of course, you know, I have memories when he was a baby because I gave birth to him and breastfeeding and all of that good stuff. But when I think of him and I think back on specifics, it's kind of hard for me to remember things besides 
maybe like birthdays and trips that we took, but I would probably say too, it was a um, typical relationship. For you the same? I would say so. But how was Quasi? How was he? Yeah. Like, what was he like before diagnosis? Pre-diagnosed, Quasi was rather quiet, shy, into his own world. And after the diagnosis, there was a new development, a new development in him. It seems like he took on more of the characteristics of the meaning of his name. Which is? Conquering strength. Quasi post-diagnosed was so resilient. It seemed like he took on a different um, character. Okay. But, you know, I would say that Quasi um yes he was always shy and bashful prior to his diagnosis but he was always super sweet super sweet um and very i guess just very clingy to us yes uh, so can you talk a little bit about when quasi was diagnosed and maybe your feelings or your reaction around it. So when Quasi was diagnosed, my feelings around it um initially it was shock and awe. I feel like I got hit with a ton of bricks. And then I jumped into a different gear. It was all about saving his life. Okay, so let me ask you something because I want to get, I want to know if maybe there is a little bit of a difference in how um, men handle it or maybe how they show up once you get a diagnosis like that because. Of course, we all remember the day that Quasi was diagnosed. I was the one who received the phone call about his um, diagnosis. And I was the one who had to call you. And I remember specifically calling. Uh, I don't think I got you. And you called me back. And I... I couldn't even tell you what was wrong. I couldn't even get it out of my mouth, like what was happening. And I just remember you asking me if I needed you to come home. And I said, yes. And I want to know when you are in a position like that, when I couldn't, um, I guess, keep it together. And then you have a child that did, he had no idea what was going on because he wasn't sick then. He was feeling absolutely fine. Did you feel any kind of added pressure or that you needed to be strong for all of us? Or did you feel like you could let all of your feelings down? I guess kind of like, I, I mean, because I just was, I was, I remember I was completely undone. 
and I don't really I don't really know how you felt because I think I was so uh, consumed by my own feelings and emotions. Well, I would say that at that moment or time, a button clicked inside of me said, you have to be the builder, provider, and protector for this household even more now. Um, as men, typically we don't show our emotion, our emotions. We try to hide it or keep it away from the situation or at hand but it was new to me it was new to us but all I knew was I had to be here not just for you I had to be here for our household and I had to be here for Kwesi because someone has to be here for him to keep him uplifted yeah, I think I think that after the initial shock of it all, I think we, you know, we all came to realize that that's, I think, one of the amazing things about being a human being because we're so resilient. So often people would say to me, I don't, I can't imagine, or I don't know how you dealt with that. Well, you know, you're usually more resilient than you think. And I I hadn't I didn't think I was going to get through it. I couldn't imagine watching Kwesi going through all that he did, but I think, you know, as days went by and the reality um you know was part of our reality, we realized that we all just had to band together. Yes. To be there for him and help support him um, and get through that. And I think we did just that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about... I want to talk a little bit about the family dynamics uh, as we went through the journey with Quasi and um, how it changed or how it affected our relationship especially with Quasi's initial diagnosis so um you all are probably aware if you follow the story that Quasi relapsed twice um but during that initial diagnosis and treatment can you talk a little bit about the dynamics of our relationship and uh, some of the things we dealt with well, during that time. I would say that it brought us closer together. We we became a a serious team. We were action planning. How about? The initial diagnosis. The initial diagnosis? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Well, 
if if you look back in time, I would just remove from being treated with my diagnosis of MS. So we were coming from that, and that was a hurdle. Yes. And, and I would say that it just... Can you talk a little bit about that? Can you backtrack? So we know that Quasi was diagnosed in March of 2010. So you talked a little bit about you recovering from your bout with MS. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because the listeners don't know. So what happened? I had a relapse episode with multiple cirrhosis. And when did, do you remember when that happened? January of 2010 or was it February? It, you know, it was to, it was January, February. Yes, because yes. you were in the hospital for Quasi's seventh birthday. Yes, and and so I remember when Quasi was diagnosed. You hadn't been out the hospital because that long because you you were Correct. in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and then you had to do inpatient physical therapy for what two weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks? Yes. And I was released. Then I was only at work maybe two weeks. Before Quasi was diagnosed? Before he was diagnosed. So when Quasi was diagnosed, there was already a lot yes. going on. A lot going on. And our relationship at that time, you were being pulled in so many different directions. And you held together strong. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you did a phenomenal job. I would say at that time, our relationship was very strong. We were working. We were a machine working together. Mm-hmm. You know, I I personally have a little bit of a different memory of our relationship I yes I was there you know when James was sick and the whole MS and I think he was started having trouble in 2009 actually and then it just really got bad early in 2010 so we were dealing with that and then Quasi was diagnosed and of course that went on you know really for years uh but the dynamics of our relationship, I recall it being not not easy, um, especially when Quasi was initially diagnosed. Because I, I will say that I am the type of person that when I am stressed are more specifically when I am scared. This is something that I learned about myself going through that. That I am one that, it comes out as anger. I remember us having lots of arguments. Do you read? Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes, we had lots of arguments. And I even remember Kwesi went into remission and when Kwesi relapsed, I remember you saying something to me to the effect like, Sonia, 
like you're not going to act the way that you did initially or you're not things can't be the way that they were before we're gonna have to find a way to do this differently do you remember saying anything like that to me i don't you don't no oh i remember and 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 it was true because i realized that i you know i was scared i was scared i was tired you know a lot of times women we are the primary caregiver when something happened and I was and I just I felt like I gave Quasi my all and I couldn't take my um I couldn't let Quasi know how scared I was so I took it out on everybody else and I feel like our relationship was hard during Quasi's orig original diagnosis you know we were there for him and we supported him, but I feel like our relationship was a struggle during that time. Yes and no. It depends on how you view it. I think you were very understanding. I mean, okay. you just happened to be very a very understanding person. But I think, I know that it was a struggle for both of us, I think. I think it was a struggle for everybody in the ho household except Quasi, you know, even my oldest son, because I really did have a tendency to take my my um, my fear and my frustration out on everybody yes. except Quasi. Uh, I do think that as you know, when Quasi relapsed, that we are I learned how to deal with it a little bit differently. If I was scared or frustrated, I would usually just cry, <laughs> you know, and let it be known. And I feel like we, that's when we kicked in and we worked together better as a team. Yes. I'm starting to get a better recollection of it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, can you tell me, did you... Did you have, as you know, you said you felt like you needed to be the provider and all of that. Was Did, did you have anybody that you talked to outside of us, you know, here in the household about what you were going through? Because I know most times you went to work. You actually went to work. I worked, but I worked a lot from home. And, you know that made it a lot easier because for me because I got to be there with Quasi all the time. But how how was that? Like having to work. Like you would you would come to the hospital after work, you would spend the night, take a shower and actually go into work. So did you so I know they had to be even more stressful. Did you have anybody that you talked to or did you just kind of deal with it? Well, I had my family. My mother was always a listening ear, always, and my father, my sister, my parents, my siblings, and just trying to adjust 
to the new life. Right. Yeah, because it's definitely a new life. Yes. Even, you know, when Quasi was in remission, it's still, life never goes back to the way it was prior to diagnosis. And I think a portion of you always fears the unknown. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, we were met with that fear. Um, can you talk a little bit about the journey uh, or how life is unfolding since Quasi passed away? Um, because it has been five years. So, of course, initially, it's it's really, really bad. And I think it's always really, really bad. But time has a way of doing something with grief. And so can you talk about a little bit about how your grief journey, I guess, has evolved since Quasi passed away? Well, it has evolved in ways of such from pain, anger, frustration, to recognizing that life, life's different now and learning to have a a, a support system mm -hmm. to help with grief, help with, well, whenever you lose a family member or, or just anyone, period, it's always the what if or why or how. And initially, that's all I could think about, why, why, or what if, or what could have been. And then I had to move past that to get to the acceptance of saying that, okay, there's a new me, there's a new world, there's a new life, there's a new us. And pretty much mapping it out because that, that was a tough time. And, and if you recall, you know, I lost my mother six months prior to Quasi's passing. So it was just a lot going on. Grieving two loved ones at one time. Two people that you adored and loved and cared deeply for. So now you have to think different, talk different, walk different. And it's a process. But... Having outlets, counseling, someone to listen, someone to listen to you when you are just need someone to talk to, and you're you're out of your mind. And you need someone to calm you down. It's always important. And to this day. Five and a half years later, it's still a process. And just still coping and learning the new me. Because I'm a new James now. 
Yeah, I, I would totally agree. It's a completely different life and you feel like a totally different person. Uh, and I think for me, at least, it feels like I am trying to create a completely different life. Like everything is is different now. Um, and I agree having a support system is definitely necessary, whether it's friends or family or if it's a professional. Yes, all, the all the above. All the above. <laughs> uh, you need all the help you can get to get you through the situation. And I do think that it's a lifelong journey. Like you, you will live with that and try. It, it's something that's always going to be with you. You know, I think the grief is always going to be there. It just changes over time. Yes. Um, which is a good thing. So I want to ask, um, what, what is, what is one of your, or a few of your greatest memories or what stands out about him the most to you, for you? I was saying the thing that stands out the most about Kwesi is he was his own person. I used to always tease him about it's normal or most little boys do this or I would call him, I would say little boy and and Kwesi never wants to be called a little boy. And I used to say, well, people always call their children or sons little boy. But Kwesi was his own person. He was an old soul. Yes, he was. That's why. <laughs> yes, he was. He was definitely not your typical kid. Not at all. Mm. And he was so simple. So simple. One of the highlights, one of the greatest moments, and we spoke on it earlier, was the birthday. I'm sorry, the Christmas that he said was his favorite. Yeah. He said he got everything he wanted. And it wasn't even much. It wasn't he even did much. get everything on this <laughs> list, but he was so, so, so simple. And I remember he was. He was so happy that Christmas. Yes. Um yeah, he was he was uh, he was just such a joy and such so simple, especially for a kid. It didn't take much to please him at all. <laughs> so what is it what's something that you want people to remember about Quasi? Or maybe share Something you want people to remember and maybe something that Quasi did that has influenced the way that you look at life now. One thing Quasi did and his it has stuck with me forever. Quasi was going through treatment. Um, bone marrow transplant. And he was so sickened by it. 
but Kwesi Ben Kwesi was so strong. And I will never forget me being a parent wanting to just provide, protect, or do anything I could for my child to satisfy them. And at that time, I said, Kwesi, is there anything I can do? Is there anything you want? And all he said he wanted was to watch Spongebob. And I will never forget that. And I tell this story to people probably once a month when I'm speaking of Kwesi about how he was so simple and he never complained. When Kwesi was going through treatment, I think we looked more worried and out of it than he was. And Kwesi, he just held so strong and I learned so much from him about life, just not giving up, sticking to your guns. Kwesi never complained. And when I say he never complained, he never complained. And he was my true, I can truly say he was my hero. He really was. He was my hero. And I would definitely tell folks, never sell your children or a child short of their strength and their resilience. Because there's a lot we can learn from them. That's so true. Yes. I have two things I wanted to share about Quasi. Um, and just his resilience and how he has made me look at life a little bit different. I remember too when he was in bone marrow. Now he did get to the place in bone marrow where he wouldn't talk. I mean, there were several weeks toward the end that he just stopped talking. And I think it was because um, his throat and everything was so sore. And he just kind of went silent. And then he felt crummy too. So... Um, yeah, there was that was that was really really hard to go without hearing your child speak. But I remember before he got to that point, but we were in Bomero and he didn't feel well at all. And my mom came in and she came to see Quasi, I believe every day. But she came in with this skirt on and it was red and white. I will never forget it. And, you know, she spoke, hey, baby, you know, how you feeling? He spoke. And he looked at her in the sweetest voice. And he's like, grandmother, I really like your skirt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that just, oh, my God. It it broke my heart. I mean, it it made me happy. But at the same time, there was something that made me so sad, I guess, as his mom, because he was, 
he was so miserable and it was so hard for him but he noticed her skirt and could give her a compliment. And even I could tell on her face that she was fighting back the tears. Um, and she's like, thank you, baby. Um, yeah, that will always stick with us that he did that. And I will remember when it was time for him to go to fifth grade. It was the first day of school. Quasi did. No, it was fourth grade. It was his first day of fourth grade and we didn't know if he was going to be able to make it to school. Um, he had a feeding tube, but he wasn't feeding all day. So he wasn't feeding while he was at school. So he went to school. He was there about 20 minutes and they called me because he threw up. So I went to get him and he was fine by the time I went to get him. And, you know, he jumped in the car. I'm like, how you feel, babe? He's like, I'm good. He's like, but I wasn't, I wasn't earlier. And I said, I heard. He said, well, at least I tried. And I said, yes, you did. And he just always had that easygoing uh, personality. Uh, he was just such a joy, um, such a joy. So... Yeah, of course, I had to add my memories as well. Um, so is there anything else you want to add about, you know, Quasi or going through this as a dad or dealing with this as a man or anything that you like to add? Well, dealing with this as a dad or as a man, of course, it's different yourself because our energy is different as male and female. My grandfather and my father used to always preach to me when I was a little boy and a young man about the role of a man, the role of a father when you have a household. And this just reinforced everything I learned from my grandfather and my father about being strong. Even though it hurt, it was so painful, but I, I can't remember how many times you might have seen me cry doing this, Belle. It, it might have been a few, but there have been, there was many times I cried and I didn't want to do it in your presence because I wanted to be as strong as possible as I, as I could be in front of you. Because you shed enough tears for both of us. And I didn't want to make you feel even weaker or sadder. I wanted to just hold it back. But I've learned that Sometimes that doesn't work. Right. And I don't feel like there's ever a strongness or a weakness. Yes. You just are. Yeah. You just are. You know, I know a lot of times during this journey, people say, oh, you're so strong. I just am. I'm just exactly. doing the best that I can in a situation I didn't ask for. And you did a phenomenal job. Thank you. And so did you. 
I hope I did. I hope that I display what a father, what a man should be to my son. You did. I'm positive of that. That's all I can ask for. Yep. And you did. There shouldn't be any doubt there. Well, thank you for sitting down chatting with me. I appreciate it. And I hope everyone out there kind of appreciates hearing things from a different perspective. And I, as always, I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Quasi Prince Foundation podcast. And as always, keep believing. Thank you for listening to the Quasi Prince Foundation podcast. To learn more about our mission of supporting pediatric cancer families, spreading awareness surrounding childhood cancer and brain tumor research, please visit our website at www.quasiprincefoundation.org or follow us on social media. We can be found on Facebook and YouTube at the Quasi Prince Foundation or on Instagram at KP Foundation. Until next time, keep believing.